According to a study by SunTrust Bank, money disagreements are the top predictor of divorce, ahead of infidelity and communication problems. The study surveyed divorced adults and found that nearly half, 45%, said financial arguments were the most common type of disagreement in their marriage. Not only do I help you enjoy the wedding planning process on Ask the Planner podcast, I also want to make sure you stay married. So in today's episode, we're talking with one of the biggest experts in the field about those awkward money conversations you haven't had with your fiance and how to set you both up for financial success long after the wedding. You're listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Welcome to today's very special episode of Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams. And today we're talking about how to have tough money conversations, finances, and your marriage with a very special guest that I am beyond thrilled and honored to have on the show. Today, I am joined by Rachel Cruz, personal finance expert and best-selling author from Ramsey Solutions. So if you have been living under a rock and don't know who she is, I'll read her bio. So Rachel is a two-time number one best-selling author, financial expert, host of The Rachel Cruz Show, and co-host of Smart Money Happy Hour. Since 2010, Rachel has served at Ramsey Solutions, where she teaches people how to avoid debt, budget, and win with money at any stage in life. She is an energetic and thought-provoking speaker and has been speaking to audiences as large as 10,000 since the age of 15 when she began making appearances with her father, Dave Ramsey. She has appeared on Good Morning America, Today, Live with Kelly and Ryan, CNN Tonight, so many shows, Fox and Friends, The Rachel Ray Show, and has been featured in the Women's Day, Success, and Real Simple magazines. Rachel believes it's possible for anyone to turn their around their finances, win with money, and build a life they love. Guys, please help me welcome to the show, Rachel. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to chat. Thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, so first I'd love to start each episode getting to know our guests a little bit before we dive into their interview. I know we read your bio at the top, but in case our guests don't know somehow who you are, can you just tell us a little bit more in your own words about you, how you got started, and what brought you to where you are today? Yes. So basically my job is talking about money. So helping people, whether it's budgeting, investing, getting out of debt, but really getting in control of your money. And money is a really tough subject. I mean, there's a lot of confusion, also a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. I mean, there's just this whole emotional part of money that is very real. And so for me to kind of break down those barriers and give people a very tactical plan to really win with money. So I yeah, grew up as Dave Ramsey's daughter, which I think was a little bit of the entry point into this world, even though it was not required that I do this for a living by any means. But, you know, I did grow up realizing that, yeah, money, it, it brings a lot of issues to people. And I was seeing what Ramsey Solutions was doing with the seven baby steps and just giving people a guide and a plan. And it was working. People were getting out of debt. They were getting in control of their money. If they were married, which we'll talk about this, I know a lot on this podcast, like their marriage was better. I mean, it was just, it was just seeing all the success. And so coming out of college, I just wanted to help really the next generation. So I focused in high schools and colleges on college campuses. I went and spoke to a lot of that age group for a while, but I 
have been married now for almost 14 years. I have three little kids. And so as my life kind of progressed, my content and what I was talking about when it comes to money started to progress with me, if you will, in my life stages. So now I don't really speak to the to the high school student anymore. I really speak to the mom, you know, or the dad or the person who is out there and just wants to learn about money. So it's been a really fun ride. I've been doing it, yeah, for almost 14 years now. And and I love it. I feel like I, I get to wake up every day and just do something really fun, which is a gift. I think that's awesome. And it totally makes sense. And it's great because you're able to speak to people depending on what stage they are in their life and what stage you are in your life and how you can relate to them. Because you're not like, you know, someone that's like older that they're like, who is this person? They don't even know, you know, who I am, but really coming at it from someone that's actually in the trenches with them, I think is so positive and awesome. And so I'm just really excited to chat with you. So yay. Awesome. Okay. So let's get down to business. We're going to start out with something a little bit broad and then kind of work our way in financial goals. To be honest, I don't ever think I ever even thought about hitting certain financial goals before I got married. Luckily, my husband was very on it and he's really good about putting away money for retirement, investing, and is very strict about, you know, paying for only things if we have cash for it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if it were up to me, it'd be like, let's just buy all the bags and shoes and not worry about the future. (laughs) Me too, Desiree. Let's be honest. That's my natural, my natural knee jerk too. (laughs) Exactly. But I feel like it's really good that we're having this conversation. So I don't know if there are couples out there that are talking about this, that have talked about financial goals, spending habits, all that kind of stuff. But to bring it back to them, when should couples have conversations about long-term financial goals with each other? Are there certain topics they should definitely discuss when they're getting serious or before they get married? Because a lot of our listeners are people that are engaged or engaged to be engaged and also people that are vendors that are you know, already married. But if they haven't had those conversations, what should they be talking about? Yeah, it's a great question. So the time period, I mean, I think getting on the same page with money before you're engaged is really crucial. And again, I'm not like a crazy legalistic person about it, but just to know your value system around money is similar because opposites attract. I'm sure we'll dive into this later in the podcast too. Just like your husband and my husband, you know, we are very different than them. And so, so that's going to be very common. So I don't want someone thinking, oh my gosh, it's the third day and they don't have any money saved in retirement. I'm done. I'm done. No, no, no. Listen, calm down. Like don't freak someone out or don't, you know, jump out of the relationship too quickly. But know that money fights and money problems is one of the leading causes of divorce in America today. So it's one of those things. It's kind of a warning sign. It's one of those hot topics that as you're going in, it is just an easier ride. I hate to say easy because things aren't always easy, but it is. When you are just aligned and your value system is the same when it comes to money, you're going to work as a team. And naturally, you're going to win faster with money. Naturally, there's probably going to be less conflict around this topic. And so I think knowing ahead of time, hey, here are my big things around money. You know, maybe your life story is you grew up maybe really poor. Maybe like there was something there that you were like, you know, maybe a single mom you grew up with or your parents were stressed all the time and you heard fighting and tension. And so a value for you with money is that that's not going to be the role that money plays in my life. I will not go back there where there's tension. I'm not saying that, yes, if you, you know, are, are broke, that tension's there, that there's tension with money, even if you have money. But just meaning like go back to how you grew up. And if, you know, that plays a part in your value system, say that out loud as early as possible. Or maybe you grew up on the opposite end of the spectrum, how, you know, maybe your mom shopped all the time and got you guys crazy in debt or your dad. And, you know, you thought your college was paid for and realized everyone's broke and you had no clue, right? Like 
whatever the scenario is, understand where your value system comes from and what it is and be able to talk to your significant other about it. So I would say that before engagement, ideally, for sure, when you're engaged to say, hey, after we get married, we combine finances, here's where we want to go. If you're married now and you're just starting that conversation, that's okay too. But some goals may be you want to get out of debt. So together, what does that look like? And so after you're married, how do we attack that? We want to save up for an emergency fund. We want 36 months of expenses saved in the bank. That's a great goal. Maybe it's a consistent goal of investing that out of every paycheck, we invest 15% of our income into retirement. And that's a goal that we have every month. You know, it's these kind of things that you start to tackle. And then there's the long term. There's like the 10-year goals that you look at and say, oh my gosh, do we want to pay off our house? Do we want to help send our kids to college and pay for it? You know, what are the things that we want to do? And so I think always shooting for goals, always having something out there that you're aiming for is really important. I completely agree with that. And I think one of the things that you brought up, which I thought was interesting, is that a lot of times when you're dating, when you become engaged, you're combining families, cultures, different households. So the way you look at money and the way you're brought up may not be the same as the way your partner was brought up. So really trying to think through like, not that are you incompatible, but having those conversations earlier on so that they aren't causing friction down the road is super important. And yes, I feel like talking about those financial goals, where do you want to be now? If you are in debt, like how are you going to get out of it so that you can win together? I think yeah. it's super huge. Can I also add, if you're engaged, you need to know everything financially about your significant other, your fiance. Like everyone needs to know everything, debt level, bank accounts. I mean, if you're going down the aisle to get married, you want to be able to say, hey, here is everything that I'm bringing to the table. Here's everything I'm bringing to the table. And that may mean one spouse has more debt that they're bringing in. So they're going to feel more guilt and shame around that. And they're, they feel bad about that. Well, deal with that. Let's work through that. Or maybe, you know, one spouse, you know, has, but all the secrecy of not knowing before the marriage, I do not think is a great idea. So we're very open about all of that, knowing, hey, we're going into this and here's everything. Here's all my numbers. Yeah, I know. I think it's so true. And plus, you want to be able to go into the marriage on a, not a clean slate, but you're being honest and upfront of where you are so that you don't feel like you have to bring it up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, if you're engaged, I'm <laughs> assuming it's going to be happening, right? I mean, a small percentage of people end up, you know, exiting the relationship, which is fine for its own reasons. But yeah, I think, yeah, being as open and honest and letting that be a habit that you're creating now in your relationship, because I talked to so many couples where there's been like financial infidelities, what they call it, where there's a secret credit card or an account that they didn't know about or a debt that they had that they never told. Like all of that stuff ends up harming the relationship. I mean, you have to, that's a problem if it's found out later and you're going to have to dig out of that versus like you're saying, start kind of on that clean slate, level playing field. Here's everything. And let's start seeing each other as a team and we're going to work together in it. I love that. And this is something you kind of hit on a little bit, but combining finances, and I know you have an opinion on this, but I think we need to kind of delve into it some more. Do you advise couples to combine finances before or after getting married and why or why not? Yes, I do. And this is the most hate that I get on social media. I mean, I can say like, don't use a credit card or I can say, pay cash for your car. And if I say combine your finances after you get married, I mean, people come out of the woodworks, they get so mad at me. So it is where I stand because, and again, this is after you say I do, not when you're engaged, even though we talked about you're still in massive communication with your spouse about finances. But after you say I do, 
it's all combined together and not retirement accounts. I mean, there's specific things, obviously, you're going to keep in your own name for tax purposes, right? So everyone's going to have their individual Roth IRA or 401k with their employer. But when it comes to like checking accounts, savings accounts, all of that, even debt, I mean, it won't be under your name, but you, I want you to emotionally say, yeah, this is our debt together, not theirs. So I just think it's really crucial because people win faster. We've seen this for three decades at Ramsey Solutions. You win faster financially when you see each other as a team and when you combine finances. So there's the tactical side that it's just easier when you're budgeting together, paying bills together out of one account that you're like, yeah, the lights, the electricity bill comes out of our checking account because it's our house. And so there's that tactical element of sharing a checking account. It just makes it easier instead of having to split bills where a lot of people, they'll say, yeah, they have the renter mortgage. They have the bills here. And what ends up happening over time, you don't realize it, but you start functioning as roommates. I mean, you start to say like, oh my gosh, this is my money. And you start to live on this kind of separate road financially, which is going to bleed into other parts of your marriage. And so when you can say, which is very vulnerable and people getting married later in life, they kind of have a harder time because they're used to doing their own thing with money. It's very vulnerable and scary to say, yeah, here, here's everything. And my paycheck hits the same account your paycheck hits. And regardless of who makes more or who makes less, we have the same say in what our money's going to do for us and our family. And it creates unity. There's something in that, that when you can see yourself as one, it just, it ties you together on a deeper level that I think it creates more intimacy. I mean, I think there's a level of connection there versus just having the separation. And if you can share a bed. If you are going to have kids and you're going to share genetics and they're running around in front of you, you can share a bank account. Now, again, I always say this with the asterisk. If you are in a marriage and there is, if there's abuse, if there's addiction, if there's something that you are in danger of financially, that this person is not safe when it comes to that, then yes, all day long, have your own account. I want you to be safe. But just for the couples out there, like, well, I like to have mine because I don't have to depend on a man or I want to have mine because I don't know, I, you know, maybe had a bad experience with someone else with money and I'm just scared to all of that though, you've got to uncover it because some couples also say, well, we fight all the time because our money's together. So let's just separate it. So we don't fight. And I'm like, well, you're sweeping the exact issue and conflict under the rug that you should actually be diving in for because you're going to learn a marriage conflict produces intimacy. So if you're avoiding things that are hard, you're going to do that throughout your whole marriage. So like they sit head on and start working together, which again, we can talk about tactically later in this podcast about budgeting together and all that. But it is one of the biggest things for me with couples. I'm like, I'm telling you, work together. When you see yourself as one, even financially, it just makes a huge difference in your marriage. I completely agree with this. And I think My mom always said, you know, when you're together, you're together. You're married. This is you guys are a team. You're going to win together. Maybe not lose together, but you know what I mean? And my husband and I have combined finances. And then we heard, you know, some of our friends who don't. One of them's like, you know, she pays for the childcare and I pay for this. And I'm like, that just feels like like what you said, like a like a roommate situation or it's like tit for tat. Like this is my money and this isn't your money. And I feel like it could just create more problems than what you're trying to avoid. You're, you're just trying to not talk about these, you know, these difficult conversations and it's just going to breed, you know, negativity, resentment, et cetera, which is just, it's just going to snowball, especially when you have kids, when you're dealing with families and people's in-laws and 
if something happens to you and you like, I took time off from work and I was, you know, home with the kids, I'm still doing something. I'm still producing something for the family. You're, I'm not getting paid, but like, you know, there's different things. Like you don't know what's going to happen down the road. So I feel like if you guys look at it as your money together, your one pot, it's just, again, going to be more positive for your relationship. Absolutely. No, you're spot on. It is. I mean, it really, it's a, it's an amazing thing. What starts to deteriorate when you're like on vacation and you're like, well, you're carrying the food. It's like what I do with my girlfriends. When we go out to dinner, we split the bill. Oh my God, it's terrible. Yes, yes. So like- If you're not on the same page. Yes, so don't do that with your spouse. Just be all one. And and that will mean though, Desiree, that there will probably be some emotions you have to uncover because money can be very emotional. Like we talked about at the beginning of this, that you know, if one of you makes more, you may have- I've heard this a lot from couples of like, oh my gosh, you know, I- I don't make as much as my spouse. So that makes, I feel bad spending money or I'm bringing in more student loan debt than they are. And I feel bad that they're working and part of their paychecks, you know, all of that is very valid. Those are not, you're not crazy if you're feeling those, but again, those are topics that you have to walk through. And that's the beautiful thing is you guys get to paint a life together and you're like, you know what? Yeah, that was past decisions that were made, but now here's where we are presently and here's where we're going in the future. And that's where the hope comes when you get to look together and say, yes, when we combine together, how much faster, how much faster are we going to get out of debt? How much faster are we going to be able to build wealth? How much faster are we going to be able to save towards our goals when, when it's all one, when we're all together? So it's a tactically a positive thing and emotionally a positive thing for couples. Yeah, we could go on and on, but we'll keep going. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on this one topic. Exactly. Okay, so I know you all have a system called the Ramsey Baby Steps to help people get out of debt. When it comes to getting married, are there certain financial milestones you advise couples achieve before they get married? How do you guys advise people on that? Yeah, so the Ramsey Baby Steps is everything from baby step one is building a $1,000 emergency fund all the way from getting out of debt, getting a fully funded emergency fund, retirement, kids, college, paying off the house. Like it's, a, it's an entire plan for you. So what I would say is if you're engaged, start your own baby step. And one of you may be on baby step three. One of you may be on baby step one. Like regardless of what it is, just go ahead and start working those steps simultaneously side by side. And then once you're married and you combine everything, you may probably jump ahead a few baby steps or maybe for some couples, they jump back because one's you know, bringing in some debt to the marriage, which is fine because you're going to work through it together. But yeah, I would say be working your own plan. So you're at least trying to hit those goals again, whether it's working to pay off extra debt or you're maybe you don't have debt and you're building an emergency fund, whatever it is, start working that plan. And once you're married, you are on one plan together and then combine everything and figure out kind of where you are at that point. I think that's great. So talking a little bit about that and debt, and debt is kind of like a taboo topic, I feel like, and the B word with budget and weddings. And, you know, so we're going to get right into it. I know you help so many people get out of debt and couples are, when they're wedding planning, it's something that they don't want to talk about because they're just like, you know, I have maybe shame around debt or I don't know what he has and I maybe I don't want to know where they have. Why is it important to talk about these debts with your future spouse before you get married? Yeah, I think it's just knowing where are we starting, you know, and even I think it's a reflection of, hey, what caused this debt to occur, which may tell you something about them in a good or bad way, right? I mean, if it's a ton of student loan debt, then they may have went to an expensive college or got a certain degree for a certain career field, but then they realize they didn't want to do that. They're going to, they're doing something else. Like it tells a story behind the person, or if it's a lot of credit card debt, it may be a little bit of a red flag of like, okay, so what's causing all of this? You know, is there kind of a spending thing there that, you know, we all have to a degree, but is there a place that we're going to be able to 
back that off? And do they have the self-control to say no? So again, I think it reveals something about your fiance and, and to have that conversation and to talk about it. And again, because my belief is after you're married, you know, all the debt comes together in one big pile and you want to start working to pay it off. And so that way you just kind of know, know where you guys are and, and hiding, hiding it, even if there is a lot of guilt and shame around it, if that's going to do more pain and damage to your marriage later on, everything should just be out on the table. Agreed. Which I know is a lot easier to say than do guys. So, yes. Yes. so when you are having these conversations about it or asking your, your partner, do you have any tips about, I feel like I'm already having a hard time saying it. Like, are you like, Hey, around drinks, like what's your debt? Like, how do you have that conversation with your, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance? And again, I probably wouldn't have this conversation with just boyfriend or girlfriend if it's not leading somewhere. Like if marriage starts to be part of the discussion, that's when I think you just bring up anything important, right? When it comes to in-laws, what are your thoughts about in-laws and holidays? How do you, you know, how do you spend that? How do you spend your time? You know, when it comes to kids, even do we want, do you want kids? Do you not want kids? How many kids do you want? You want 11? You want one? Like, let's talk. Let's, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about your money habits. You know, do, you know, are you bringing, is there debt? Have you gone into debt before? Are you investing? Do you have any money saved? Like, how's your spending? Do you do a budget? Are you more of a spender or a saver? Do you like spending money on experiences or actual tactical things? Like, kind of just, you're getting to know that person. And again, it's kind of those hot topics. Sex is another one. Like, it's these hot topics of marriage that I think it's just money is just lumped into that. So I would hope that if marriage is part of the discussion, that some of these topics, if not raised, will be raised so that you get to know your partner better, you know, and you get to know like, hey, here's who I'm choosing to do the rest of my life with. It's a really big deal. So go ahead and flip all those rocks over and let's like, yeah. And it doesn't have to be majorly serious. Yeah. And you come and you're like, I need to see every tax return since 19, you know, 98 or something crazy. So it can be a very fluid conversation, but I would have all those conversations before you're married. I feel like this would be like a fun date night, guys, when you're like, you know, 21 questions, you know, you have not have fun with it because it is a serious topic, but you know, just like, don't make it such a big deal, but you know, talk about the kids, talk about the debt and just like see where the conversation goes. Cause you definitely need to have those conversations anyways. For sure. Yeah. I've heard you talk about on the podcast before. Are there certain types of debt that couples should tackle before getting married and ones that they should save after getting married? Cause there's all the different kinds of debt. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I always teach people to pay off your smallest debt first and you're going to pay minimum payments on everything, pay off that smallest one first. And then once that's paid off, you roll that minimum payment over to the second smallest and you keep going until you're debt free. And, you know, a big thing for me is I'm like, you know, the faster you can pay off debt, the faster your income is all yours and you're able to invest it. You're able to give it, spend it. You know, you're, you're able to actually use your income versus it going out to all these payments. So yeah, I would tackle your own debt while you're engaged on your own. So if you have two credit cards, a car loan and a student loan, if that's under your name and those are your debts, then I would start personally working to pay off, let's say credit card, it's to the smallest amount, but paying that off and you're working that off and, and your fiance is doing their debt simultaneously too. And then once you're married, again, combine them all, make a new list. But the great thing is maybe through engagement, you're like, oh, I paid off two credit cards you know, I just had $300 balance on Nordstrom's credit card, but it was with me for so long and I just, you know, never really paid it off. So like you can actually make some progress while you're engaged. So when you come together, then you're going to list out every, both debt, you know, both of your debts at that point, smallest to largest and start working together to attack regardless of whose it is doing that. But 
also, I know there's a lot of engaged couples and you're saving for a wedding. So there's another big expense that you're on the side. So you may not be full force scorched earth, you know, focused on paying off debt as, as intensely as after you get married because you are maybe saving up for your wedding, which I totally understand. But I would be working towards something. I think it's just a good motivation to be like, I'm going to put an extra, whatever it is, you know, $600 a month away towards my debt while also saving for a wedding. Today's episode is brought to you by the Wedding Budget Bundle in our very own wedding planning template shop. There's no shame in spending $800 on wedding favors if it's in the budget. Our Wedding Budget Bundle includes one comprehensive spreadsheet that maps out your budget per category and a second spreadsheet that tracks who you need to pay and when on a monthly basis. These spreadsheets are designed to help you get what you want at a price you can afford, know exactly how much you've paid and how much you still owe at a quick glance. Stop wondering if you're on a budget and start making a spending plan. Visit shop.verveventco.com to grab your copy today. Make sure you use the code SEASON4, that's S-E-A-S-O-N, the number four, for 20% off your entire purchase through October 15th. Again, use the code SEASON4 at checkout for 20% off your entire purchase. Do you feel like one should, and I know you say prioritize the smallest step first, and it kind of snowballs. Do you feel like you should try to pay off like a car payment first or student loan first before getting married? Or is it really just more based on like the amount of debt that you have? Yeah, it's amount of debt because we found that personal finance, it's so behavior driven. And if you try to tackle, you know, the $36,000 student loan, but you have a $4,000 credit card, like there's something about attacking something so large that can feel exhausting and overwhelming because you've never done it before. But when you pay off that smallest one, it does give you momentum. It gives you hope to prove, yeah, you can do this. Like you can do this. So those quick wins just from a behavior change standpoint is so crucial. And there's been studies done with people that pay off highest interest rate first or lowest debt amount first. And people that pay off the smallest debt first statistically get out of debt faster. I mean, if someone chooses another way, I'm not mad at you. Like I think getting out of debt is a is the biggest goal. So how you do that is up to you. But again, effectively, what we've seen, the right way to do it, the most effective way is smallest amount. Yeah, no, I think that's great. It just depends on you guys and what you feel like is the most beneficial way and the way you're going to be the most successful for sure. If one person has significantly more debt than the other person, how do you help them with that? Or is it more just like, because I know it's probably going to happen to a lot of different couples where their debt is just unbalanced. Yeah, totally. I mean, I meet a lot of couples where they're debt-free. One is, and then they meet their significant other, get in, and they're like, oh my God, we have $100,000 in student loan debt now. And I think it's just one of those things, you know, you're, you're signing up for the ride. I mean, it's, it's a part of life. So again, I think it's very natural to have maybe resentment on one end, the other end, a lot of like, just like you're kicking yourself. Why did I do this? A lot of shame around it. You can maybe grieve together a level of like, gosh, we're not going to be able to do as much as we thought we would if we didn't have this debt. You know, like there's there's processes you can go through, but I only would want to sit in that for just a period of time. And then I want you to jump out and I want you looking toward the future because you can't change the past. Like it's done. So focusing on, okay, here's where, where we are in the present and here's where we're going in the future. And we're doing this together. We're choosing this life. And, you know, one may be bringing in more debt. The other may be bringing in terrible father wounds <laughs> on an emotional level that the other isn't like do you know what I'm saying we all bring our crap about, yeah exactly we all bring yeah. our crap in and so different baggage yeah we do we all do so it may look different yours may be debt the other person something else but 
again, that's the journey of marriage. You're choosing to do life with another person and it's going to be messy and it's not always going to be easy, but you're doing it together, which is the beautiful part of marriage. Yeah, no, I think that's so true. Okay, so we're going to segue a little bit and talk about weddings. So let's talk about the B word, which is budget. What advice do you have for couples to help them figure out what their wedding budget should be? Now, what they want it to be, you know, I've talked about budgets on the show. If that comes up in your conversations, how do you advise people on how to come up with what their budget should be for their wedding? Whatever you can pay for, which I know probably isn't going to be a shock, so I don't want you going into debt for your wedding, which is very common these days. And I'm sure, Desiree, you probably have even more, you know, way more of this than I even do being in the space, but yeah, it's what you can pay for. And so I think it's one of those things you're going to learn opportunity costs that, yeah, if you have, I'm going to just make up a number, you know, you have $15,000, you know, for your wedding or whatever it is, you know, if you choose to spend all 15,000 on the wedding, that's great. You have the money and that's what, that's where you guys are choosing to spend that versus saying, we're going to spend 10,000, take 5,000 and replace someone's car because their car is falling apart. So we're going to use that money somewhere else. Right. So you just have to pick and choose whatever amount of cash you have that, hey, what do we want? Because what we spend on this wedding, we can't spend other places. And so weddings are hard, Desiree, because there's like, I'm so split down my heart of like, half of it is, it is a celebration and you want to enjoy it. And there is something just so beautiful about it that you want to love and remember it. But also my other half, I know even going through a wedding, you know, 14 years ago and seeing it now, I would honestly hate being a bride today because I'm like, you see every bachelorette party, every wedding shower, you see the weddings, you see, I mean, I went and stalked some girl in New York, don't even know who the girl is. I was on her page for like 45 minutes watching her wedding videos. I mean, it was the most extravagant thing on this rooftop. I mean, I literally was like, oh my gosh. And I got sucked down. I'm like, what am I doing? So I couldn't imagine trying to plan a wedding with all of that in front of me because you just have to lower your expectations. So there's that comparison Like, where is it worth it? Are you doing it for you? Are you doing it for social posts or for other people? And I don't envy people getting married right now. You know, I have the parenting comparison with kids. You know, when I see little kids doing compared to my kids, like that's the, that's the comparison game I'm in right now in life. So I couldn't imagine a wedding. I mean, I mean, truly it's so difficult. So again, part of me is saying, yes, enjoy it, celebrate it, whatever money you have cash available. That's what you can spend. But remember, once it's spent at the wedding, you can't use it for a down payment. You can't use it. For, you can't use it to pay off debt. You know, it's it's going to be gone, which is if that's what you choose, that's fine. But also temper your expectations. Don't eat that comparison game. You have to put the blinders on. And it's a level of maturity too, Desiree, to say, I'm going to say no to this. Like, even though having a billion flowers and roses and, you know, all this stuff that I want, I'm going to have to say no because I, I don't have the money for it. And so there's a discipline that has to be in place so that you don't get completely out of control because, oh my gosh, you could get completely out of control. It's wild. It just snowballs. And I just wanted to share with our listeners some figures and, you know, that I found that I think were just interesting as far as debt, weddings, et cetera. So is this was according to a survey on LendingTree.com, 29% of couples surveyed in April of 2020. So this was like right after the pandemic plan to take on some debt to pay for their wedding, while another 18% were unsure whether or not they would. 65 of those taking on debt were planning to take on less than 10K. So it was split about 50% for under 5K and the rest were under 10K of debt, while 12% planned to take on more. And for some, you know, that could just be like one vendor. Like the photographer could be $10,000 already, like easily. Of those taking on debt, 60% were using credit cards, 39% were taking on financial loans, 
29% were receiving money from friends or family, and some of those responded with, with getting money from you know, more than one source. And then finally, nearly 80% of couples plan to pay off their debt within a year of the wedding, but 23% still plan to pay off their debt over a year after their wedding, which is just like heavy, I feel like. That's just like a lot, like you're like dragging on, which I know that's kind of what debt is. But Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's so true. What you have to realize too is studies have been done that when you spend with debt, you spend 12 to 18% more. And I would say, honestly, it's this is not scientifically proven, but I would say in the wedding space, it's probably more than that because there's something about that snowball effect, like you said, of just, oh yeah, well, let's just do that. Oh, just add that in. It's okay. It's just, it's just a couple extra hundred dollars. Like, you know, and you start this like just compiling and how easy it is because it's beautiful stuff. It's exciting stuff. I mean, like it is so easy when you're spending the bank's money, you're going to end up spending more. But when you're spending your money, you're going to be asking more questions to say, okay, do I really want that type of chair? I mean, even the difference of chairs, right, can be significantly different. So chairs, napkins, chargers, yeah, all of the it. flowers. And I think you make different decisions when it's your money and you know there's a limit. But when you open up the door of debt, it just, the emotional tie to money is just more, it's, it's not there as much. So you're more up to spend. And then I think more up to take on more debt because that door's already open. I agree. So if there are couples, which obviously the hard answer is no, don't take on debt for the wedding. But if they are, you know, hoping to be responsible with taking on a little bit of debt, do you have any advice for them as far as like purchasing stocks so they can cash in in a year, take on a side hustle? Just don't do it at all. What advice would you have for them? Yeah, I would say don't do it at all. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things that, you know, again, your wedding is wonderful. It's a really special day, but but how is it going to set you guys up? financially in the future and what what is worth it to you. So yeah, if there is, you know, overtime you have to work for a season, yeah, picking up a side hustle for a season, then do it. But here's the deal too, you know, if you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to pick up a side hustle because, you know, it's not getting paid as much and it's not going to go that far in my wedding. Then if you're going to take on debt, you're going to get that exact same feeling, even worse, to try to pay off the debt. So might as well start, you know, on the other end and say no now because it's, you can still have a beautiful wedding. I mean, I see this all the time. Couples have an incredible wedding. I went to one just a few weeks ago and it's like, it was very simple. They had a beautiful ceremony. They had some dancing and it's like, that was it. And my husband and I, we literally left and we were like, that is, that's it. That is what a wedding is for. It's literally for the marriage to get married. Yes, to celebrate, but that's the tactical reason for it. So you could even go to the courthouse, right? I mean, you would elope, like all that stuff too. Those are options, but Overall, just know you can have a great wedding and a great marriage. That's another thing. Work on your marriage more during your engagement than your wedding. Some people, they do the opposite. So there's just wise ways to set up your life together. And I think going into debt is just not one of them. Exactly. And uh, so were you married in 09? Yes. So were we. So I feel like we, we got married at the very same exact time, August. And back then, you know, trends changed so much. They didn't, we didn't have social media back then. Websites were completely different. Weddings looked different. I feel like there is just a lot of pressure for you to do things for the flex, to be able to, you know, have that Instagram moment or whatever. And we always tell couples, you know, we don't advise, obviously, going into debt. And it's just creating a budget, which you talk about, and figuring out your priorities. Like, is this really that important? Is anyone going to know if we didn't have this? 
at the wedding. And yes, there's, it is a celebration and we want you to create the most memorable and amazing, you know, celebration for your guests. Cause a lot of our couples want to do like a, a celebration to thank their family and friends for being with them and, you know, supporting them, which is beautiful, but it's also at the end of the day, are you doing it for the right reasons and thinking about those do you have any tips how to avoid the feelings of comparison and just like going down that rabbit hole of the comparison game? Yeah, I mean, I think expectations is really big. And I think you have to be just very real and honest where your emotions may be one thing about your budget and the cash you have and your cash is, you know, that number is here. So my friend, Dr. John Zaloni always says, facts are your friends. So while your emotions are discontent and you wish you had a million dollars to spend on this wedding, you don't. So what is the fact? Here's the fact we're working with. So have your pity party, be sad about it for a little bit, and then let's move on to the fact. Here's what we have. So what realistic ways can we have a great wedding with this? So I think that expectation just has to be has to be out. I would also say, I don't like to always use social media as like the enemy because I think it's more of our issue than social media's issue. But also just know, like statistically speaking, you know, those couples that you're seeing with these weddings, when I mean, you just quoted what almost, you know, four out of 10, close to 50% of them, they're, they're in debt for it. So like, it's not even their money they're spending, they're spending the bank's money. So just know that, you know, that kind of relieves a little bit of that. And I would also say, ask your question, if nobody were to see this, do I still want it? Like if you were never to post pictures on social media of your wedding, is that thing important, right? And that's kind of where you're like, okay, what, what is this? Because I think that takes that third dimension of social media just plays with our heads and so many decisions in life. So I think as much as you can, eliminate that and just say, this is just for us. What do we want? And yeah, the truth is, you know, marriage success has nothing to do with how big the engagement ring is or the size of the wedding or you know, all of that. It is, it is so much about you and your fiance and your spouse, which sounds cheesy. And I know it's easier to say on this side of it. If you're in the middle of planning, I know it's like, it's so much, but I think it's one of those, like, it's one of those perspectives that you really have to keep, keep in mind. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. And I feel like, you know, we were recently just buying a car for myself. And sometimes I would like think about you guys when I'm like, I really want this car, but I feel better knowing that this car we can pay for in cash and not go into debt. Like all these fancy cars I would love to have. Yes. Maybe they, you know, they don't have the same financial goals or whatever, you know, so I would like tell myself this to kind of remind myself, like, I don't have to have that. I will still be really happy in this car, which I love my car. But, you know, it, it's just like the things that you you want, but do you need it? And then also, like, are you doing it for the right reason? Like reminding yourself of the perspective for sure. Yes, absolutely. I think that's great advice. Great advice. I'm glad you played cash for your car, Desiree. That's, that's so impressive. <laughs> I tell you, my husband is crazy. I mean, not crazy. It's good. I was listening to your podcast and the one person that called in and they're like, I have $150,000 in car payments. I was like, I'm so lucky I have you, honey. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was like, thank you so much for just, you know, making sure that we stay on track and we have the right goals in mind for the future. So... Okay, so we're going to segue into a little bit of some listener questions, which we have from people. Okay, so question one is from James, who said, my partner and I have different financial goals. I come from a scarcity mindset while she spends to quell her anxiety. We have joint accounts, but it's hard for me to reconcile having combined finances when our goals are different. How do you help us get on the same page? Which I feel like is just hard, but yeah. Yes, that's a great question. Well, I don't think one of her goals is spending because she's anxious. That's pro that's a way she's coping. So for me, 
I realize so often money issues are never money issues. It is stuff going underneath the surface. And this is honestly a great example, not to pick on her because this is very common, but a lot of us medicate in all different ways. And for some people, it is spending money. And so what I would, if I was sitting across the, you know, having a drink with her, I would really, you know, challenge her or encourage her to say, hey, what is going on? Number one, what is making you anxious? Like, what's that thing? What are steps towards healing in that? Because there's so many, there's, I mean, anxiety is out the roof right now. We see the stats, but like, what are the things that you could be stepping towards and healing for that? So that spending isn't your medicator. We can, you know, find something else and actually get to the root of what's causing that. So that's more of an anxiety issue, not a money issue, even though it's coming out as money. So I understand his, you know, frustration maybe, or whatever that is that, yes, she's spending and he's a scarcity mindset. So you know, I would ask like what their goals are because what's funny is a lot of couples want the same things. It just comes out different ways. So, you know, for some couples I talk to, they're like, oh gosh, one spouse wants more money in the 401k. One spouse wants to go on a nice vacation and spend some. And it's like, how do you reconcile? What do they both want? Well, one wants, you know, a level of security and safety. And I would ask why, you know, what what's the big cause root of that? You know, one wants to be able to have fun and have memories with their family. Okay, well, why is that? You know, start to like ask those deeper questions. And what you'll find usually is there's some alignment somewhere that you just want a level of peace and joy in life, even though it comes out two different ways. But your values and the what you want for life is probably usually the same. So there's going to be probably some give and take, to be honest, with couples. But also when you can align and say, okay, for a season, let's put this percentage away for saving. And let's put this percentage away for giving. Let's put this percentage away for spending. So that way we can still do the things we want to do. It may just take a longer time because we're kind of divvying up where our money's going, but that's okay because you're going to at least accomplish your goals eventually and you both are getting what you want. Yeah, no, I think you really hit the nail on the head, which is the values are probably the same. They're just being manifested or they're, they're being expressed in different ways and trying to get on the same page is going to help you guys get there. Okay, question two. My parents are financially secure and help and paying for the wedding. This is from Sarah. I have a small family, thus my side of the guest list is shorter. My fiance's parents are not paying for the wedding, but their family is bigger. How do we reconcile the fact that my parents are paying for it, but our percentage of the guest list will only be about 20%? We want to have a nice wedding and we would be able to spend more per person with a smaller guest list, but I want to be able to include more people from his side also. From her question, what I heard, I heard her kind of answer it is that, yeah, I think there's just kind of that, maybe that sting that your parents have of, oh, this is their money, but it's mostly going to his family, but he has a bigger family. And if you want his family to come, that's where the money's going to go. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just the reality of what's going to happen. Now, if you guys both decide that his family always invites, you know, third uncle Frank removed from the second generation, whatever, like, and he says, no, that's ridiculous. I've never met him and my parents are out of control and they feel the need to invite everyone, even though that's not what I choose, then he needs, I think, that's when you step in to be an adult and say, okay, mom and dad, hey, this is our wedding and this is what we're choosing to do. So however they decide, again, it needs to be decided together. But I think once the money from the parents is given to them, again, she's not crazy. I understand her feeling and emotion. So I'm not discounting that, but there's also a reality. This is your money for your wedding. So how are we going to spend this money? Well, you have a bigger family. Do we both want, you know, all of that? Or do we want to cut it in half? Do we want to just get a fourth of the, you know, whatever it is, like you get to decide that. Because at that point, in my opinion, it is your money without respect of your parents. But I mean, that's just kind of how the cookie crumbled a little bit. 
that's a really good point. I think it's talking about the guest list in a way that feels good for both of you. So you both feel like you have the most important people there that you want. But again, like if this person you've never met or do you have to invite them? Are they really going to bring that kind of energy and environment that you want to create on the wedding day? Or can you try to cut that list a little bit? Because I feel like when you're going into marriage, there's going to be a lot of give and take. So thinking through like, what are you comfortable with? Having to have those conversations with your parents together, you know, it's just a good exercise yeah, for the future. It is. <laughs> that is. That's exactly right. Well, you're starting to draw boundaries. I mean, you're starting to create your own family units, which is... No, I think that that's a healthy part of marriage too. Exactly. Okay, so the last two segments are Never Have I Ever and This or That. Never Have I Ever actually was inspired by your show, Smart Money Hand Me Hour. I thought it was hilarious. So we have a new one that we're starting for this season. So Never Have I Ever. So this one is Never Have I Ever Hidden a Purchase from My Spouse. So have you or have you not done this? You know, I'm going to say in an innocent way, I probably have, because honestly, I probably buy things and forget. And so <laughs> if it's that, then I have, but not out of like a malicious, he can't right. see it because we, we, we share a checking account. So he's going to see the purchase anyways. But no, I don't purchase things and like show him every little thing that I buy because we do a budget and I have a line item and all the things. I'm sure there are purchases I've made that he has no idea about. But it's not because it's like a secret thing. It's more just out of my forgetfulness and lack of detail. Mine was, I actually have to admit, I did. I really wanted a purse and I saved up all of my money from, sometimes couples tip us. And so I saved up all of my money from my tips, which I know still should go to like the normal pot, which everything else does. I really wanted this purse. And so my mom, my mom was in France and I was like, can you just get me this purse and then I'll pay you for it. So good. I love it. So bad. And like, he doesn't notice it. He doesn't know like that this is an expensive-ish, more expensive than normal purse. But he also like was the one that was like, I bought a purse when I like got first, like one of my first big jobs a long time ago. And he was like, all right, Desiree, we're going to set a budget. You can't spend more than $50 on a purse. And every five years, you can buy a nicer purse. And I was like, 50 bucks? You can't get anything with $50. I was like, do you have any idea how much purse is? So anyways, I know. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Oh, so funny. Okay, so our last segment is called this or that. So you just basically say what comes to your mind. You, you make a choice. Okay. What was your AOL Instant Messenger screen name growing up, if you remember? Oh my gosh, mine was terrible. Desiree, are you ready? <laughs> I don't think you're ready. It was Lil, L-I-L, Lil Bit of Heaven 380. <laughs> and I thought it was I awesome. I thought it was so creative and so good. My publicist is staring at me right now. Well, there were lots of Lil's back then. It was like Lil Wayne, Lil whatever. So I took Latin in high school. And so my maiden name was Abeletta. So I combined it and my name was Desabel, but I spelled it D-E-S-A-B-E-L. So it was kind of like Desiree is pretty because it's like a bell, like pretty. Yes, yes. But somebody told me they were like disabled. We were doing like laser tag. And I also made that my, my like, whatever my shooter name or something oh yeah like, oh it's like disable and I'm like no that's not how you pronounce it but that's a good one for laser tag yeah, disable that's right. that's right but I had a bridal store owner come on the show and she was saying that lots of women still have their email addresses they're like from like 15 years ago and she was like their names are like cutie pinky whatever lil whatever and they're like just get a normal email address it's like at hotmail.com aol.com totally that's so funny 
So last segment, this or that. Okay, so cash or check? Cash. Would you rather be rich and famous or rich and unknown? Oh, gosh. Maybe rich and unknown, even though I kind of have a public-facing job. <laughs> I feel like there's super famous, but there's like celebrities. Yeah, not that like, are like paparazzi level. Right. No, I wouldn't want right. that. I would rather be rich and unknown. Yeah. I don't need Justin Bieber vibes. Yeah, I agree. And then you don't have to worry about like the paparazzi. Like, I feel like you just like, once you get to a certain level, like it's just really heavy. And marriages just don't last. Anyways, yes. okay. <laughs> expensive chic lounge or cheap dive bar? Oh, expensive chic lounge. Win $5 million tomorrow or $100 million in 20 years from now? $100 million 20 years from now. Really? I feel like I would have to do the math. I would be like, well, it depends oh, on how much I'm going to get on interest. Exactly. You would invest. Okay, that's fair. Okay, you got some math in you. Okay, okay. Maybe, maybe I, I would need to do the math. That's a good point. <laughs> it's my husband. It's not me. Okay. Spend a million dollars on travel or spend a million dollars on clothes? Oh, no. Travel. I think I'd go travel. Yeah. And finally, would you rather go back in time to fix your biggest money mistake or see the future and find out where you end up? Uh, I would say in the future. I want to see. Because I just feel like six-year-old Rachel's going to be so bougie. And like, <laughs> I just so excited like, for her. I'm really Man, excited for her. I know. I know. Every time I invest, every time we put money away for like our 401k, I'm like, this is for bougie Rachel. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, Rachel, it was so lovely talking to you. I really appreciate your time. You know, this was beyond amazing. I think our listeners are going to love this so much and they're going to think long and hard about their finances and their choices. Before I let you go, can you let our listeners know if you have any fun projects or anything coming up in the future and then where they can find you online? Yes. Well, this is a little ahead for your audience, maybe if you are in, if you're engaged and getting married. But once that first baby comes, think about me because I have my first kids book coming out and it's called, I'm glad for what I have. It's right behind me. If, if y'all can see the video. Oh, you have. Yes, I know. I so it. It's so, it's, it's something I've been wanting to do forever. And the illustrations Lauren Gallegos, you know, did them and said they came out beautiful. They're little animals. And it's a story about contentment and understanding that stuff is not the thing that brings you ultimate joy, but love and God's level ultimately is. And so it's a really sweet, it's a board book. So it's a really fast read. It's not long, but it is a project that I've wanted to do for so long. So I'm so glad that it's here. So it's out November 7th. So you can purchase that. That's the newest project, but you can also find me on, on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, all the things at Rachel Cruz. And my YouTube show and podcast is the Rachel Cruz show as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Rachel. We'll make sure to link to it all in our show notes. Thank you again for coming on the show. We really, really appreciate it. And I'm just so appreciative for your time. Oh, absolutely. Desiree, thanks for having me. Guys, wasn't Rachel amazing? I just absolutely love her, and I've been a fan of her for a while now. I was over the moon when I found out she was able to join me on the podcast. It was literally the, the most exciting day of my life. If you want to dig deeper into this topic of money and marriage, I highly encourage you to check out Rachel on her podcast, The Rachel Cruz Show, and my favorite, Smart Money Happy Hour. Also, if you are in the Nashville area and listening to this episode when it goes live, be sure to check out Ramsey's first First ever Money and Marriage Getaway, which is on October 19th through the 21st in 2023. My good friend, Dr. Jim Gleason, and I, who you guys might remember from episode 96 of the podcast, we were talking about how we both wanted to go and take our spouses with us. I just thought it would be fun, and I love Nashville, and of course, Rachel Cruz is going to be there, but 
I will make sure to link to it in the show notes so you can find out more information. Today's episode show notes are at verveventco.com forward slash 114. Again, that's verveventco.com slash 114. As always, if you have follow-up questions for me, make sure you join me live this Wednesday on Instagram. You can always leave us a voicemail on our wedding planning hotline too at 585-210-3467. Phone number again is 585-210-3467. I will be answering your questions live on a future episode, so make sure you send in those questions, and I'm happy to also keep you anonymous if you prefer, so don't feel like you can't ask your question because you want to stay anonymous, so feel free to do that as well. Okay, now it's time for our review of the week. Today's review is from Amanda in Chicago. Amanda writes, five stars, great advice for a new bride. It can feel overwhelming to start the daunting process of planning a wedding. Thank you for your relevant topics and guest speakers. This pod actually helped me make the final decision to use a wedding planner, getting married in Hawaii, June 2024, and I'm so thankful already. Thank you. Yay. Thank you so much, Amanda in Chicago. I'm so glad to hear from you. I hope you found an amazing planner to work with in Hawaii. And she makes all of your wedding planning dreams come true while also saving you from much of the stress of planning a wedding. That wraps up today's episode. If you're listening to this live, again, don't forget this is the last week for our 20% off sale in the wedding planning template shop. You can use the code SEASON for, that's S-E-A-S-O-N, the number four, for 20% off your entire cart in the wedding planning template shop. Don't forget that we included the new wedding day master organizer, which is basically like our production book that we use for day of, but it includes all the exact same spreadsheets that we print out in our production books on our wedding days. And since today's episode was also all about budgeting and finances, be sure to pick up the wedding budget bundle. Also in the wedding template shop, just go shopping, guys. It's like all of the good things that you really need to get yourself organized for your wedding. And as Rachel says, a budget gives you permission to spend. So spend away as long as it's in the budget. And for all my wedding planners out there, now is the time to get on the wait list for my new wedding planner coaching and mentorship service. Whether you're in the first one to two years of your business and you don't know how to increase your prices, build a team, attract your ideal clients, find your brand voice, or if you're a little further in your career and you want to take it to the next level with a digital product, maybe start a podcast or something else, I would love to help you take your business to the next level. So sign up for the waitlist to get access to introductory pricing when doors open this Wednesday, October 11th at verveventco.com forward slash coach. Again, that's verveventco.com slash coach for more info and to get on the wait list. And that wraps up today's episode. Coming up on the podcast, we are talking to Stella Jones of Stella's Bridal and revisiting a terrible wedding where so much went wrong. It's our horror stories for the year, as well as whether or not you should work with a wedding planner, and if so, what kind of wedding planner you should work with, because there are a few different types out there. For this week's question of the week, let me know in your reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you have talked about your financial goals or debt with your future or current partner. And if you want to let us know your financial goals, I would love to hear from you so we can cheer you on, whether you want to make six figures, if you guys want to both be millionaires by the time you're 40, whatever it is, retire early, 
There is something about saying something out loud or in a podcast review that makes it real. And I want you to realize that goal, whatever it is. So share those with us too. If they're big and scary, even better. I'm just so excited for you all to achieve so much more in your life and in your marriage. So yay. Finally, thank you for bearing with me while I get over this terrible throat thing that I had. I don't know if you guys noticed it in last week's episode, but you will notice in several of these episodes in season four that I don't quite sound like myself. At least I don't think I do. At the time of recording this outro, we went to the Bills versus Dolphins game yesterday with the kids, and I yelled quite a bit, but I'm also getting a cold, I think. I don't know. And now my voice is paying for it even more. But my coach, Candice Coppola, told me that her editor recommends apple juice, so here I am drinking apple juice. That wraps up today's episode. I know today was longer than usual, but I just loved having Rachel on the show. So thank you for sticking with me until the very end. Thank you again for letting me into your life and your earbuds or your commute to work while you're cleaning the house, working out. I love being with you each and every week and feel so grateful for you. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 